0: Wait is over. Over. Ladies and gentlemen from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge.
1: All right, everyone, welcome to the Binge Buster Show. I am so excited about this week's show. Man, What some crazy stuff going on in the world, the crazy time we're living in right now. There's so much going on in the world. Uh, If it wasn't, you know, first of all, we had the COVID-19, and now we got all these protests and riots all over the United States and the world. Uh, Just a crazy, crazy time. But uh, hey, we're still going to have a good time on our podcast, and we're going to be, you know talking about some a couple of really good wrestling shows and i'm excited because we're taking the binge buster show kind of back to the basics uh, as this week we're going to be talking to a, a, uh, a legend in, on the independent wrestling scene here in the Carolinas. Uh, I'm going to have one of the uh, members of the Storm Legacy, Lee Storm, is going to be on the show today. and uh, So it's going to be an exciting time. So uh, without any further ado, I'm going to get this show started, and we're going to bring on our co-host, Chris Plano. We'll be back right after this. Chris Plano, what is going on, my man?
0: Terrific, Tony, how are you? So great to be back on the Bench Buster Show again, another great week, and I'm looking forward to tonight's show. We're going to kick it back to the mid-80s once again, a a time very near and dear to me, but uh, also at the same time, we have a lot going on in the United States and and even around the world, and uh, a lot to touch on this evening, and I'm excited for tonight's show and tonight's guest.
1: Yeah, man, it's, it's going to be crazy. Uh, and, and Chris, I I feel like such a terrible dad, a terrible dad. Last week when uh, when uh, we were doing our show, I was talking about my son, and I was talking about this, and, man, I can't believe I, after after I got done recording the show, I said, man, I need to call Chris back and do this show all over again because I flubbed up. But, hey, it happens, but, you know, whatever. We're, we're going to cover it this week. But I want to congratulate my daughter, Krista, graduating high school uh, you know she she uh, she worked hard uh, so she graduated so just want to give her a, a round of applause <laughs> but no nah, seriously Krista congratulations dad sorry he forgot you uh, Chris and I sometimes we get uh, or I ain't gonna put you I ain't gonna put the heat on you Chris but I get excited sometimes and I and if, if I don't make notes man I forget what I'm gonna say so tonight I got some notes and and tonight's show is going to be great and uh, so, Chris. I mean, what? The, how, how's your week been, man?
0: It, it's been it's been great, Tony. It, it's been a, a roller coaster of a week. But I got to say something. Um, you, know, you know, congratulations to your daughter. And just in my Facebook feed this week, I saw a picture that you posted four years ago of her saying, "I can't believe she's going to be a freshman in high school." And, and now she's a graduate at that particular high school now four years later. So I'm glad you kind of circled it back around because it did pop in my feed of picture you posted four years ago when she was graduating from eighth grade. And I know you were really proud of her then. I know you're even more proud of her now. And, and she's got a great future ahead of her.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm really proud of her. She's actually go- going to be going to uh, to college, and uh, she's she hopes to be a you know she wants to be a school teacher. So uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like her you know kind of like her her family on her mother's side. They uh, you know all of them are teachers, you know, her grandmother, her aunt, um, and now her. So uh, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be exciting. You know, I'm excited to to kind of see where her future takes her takes your two and everything but um anyway chris this week's podcast i'm excited we're uh, we're going to be bringing on a uh, a legend here in the carolinas and the tag team scene um yeah, and i know chris when you when you're running new dimension wrestling i know that um part of this team you you booked a lot I'm talking about the storm brothers and our guest this week is going to be is one part of the storm legacy lee storm is on the show today lee how are you
2: Hey man, living the dream, Tony and Chris. Glad to
1: hear from you guys. Glad you guys are making safe out
2: there in the pro world. I'm
1: telling that you, looking good. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to have you on the show. Uh, I know this week. I mean, uh, it's cr- it's a crazy time that we're living in. Uh, I know um, with uh, with all the protests and the riots all over the world, it's kind of. Uh, Taking everybody back on, you know, on life in general, and and giving everybody a, a whole different outlook. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe on this show we can we can have some positiveness and 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 a good time.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely, man. That's you know that's all life's about, man. Just living it up to the best you can, having the best you can out of it, and just go on with it, brother.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, Chris, uh, let's yep. let's let's talk a little bit about the Storm Brothers, man. When when you were running strong with New Dimension Wrestling, uh, those Storm Brothers were, were pretty hot and crazy on, on your in your scene, correct?
0: Oh my gosh, God, Tony, you're you're flashing me back here to the uh, to the late '90s here and, and, and into 2000. Yes, the Storm Brothers uh, played an intricate intricate part uh, on the independent wrestling scene. Uh, here in the Carolinas and in the, in the Southeast. And you want to talk about some guys that wrecked havoc. And uh, um, you never know what was coming out of them. and You know, Joe Storm and all. I mean, it was just like – it was just craziness. And, um, uh, you know, they just knew how to get to the fans. They just knew how to get reactions out of them. And they always, always, always had something up their sleeve. And, and you just never know what was going to happen. But, uh, you know, great to have them. And it, it's great to see the Storm legacy now – Continuing, and um, um, you know, I, I think I still need to go get back in the ring a little bit, and at least just confront them one more time. But we'll, we'll see yeah. if that's here nor there. But it was a great time back in the day.
1: Now, now, Lee, do, what I, I know, uh, you know, back in the, back in the time that Chris and I were talking, you were not wrestling then. But what what are some of your early memories uh, of, uh, of 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 this, of the uh, the Storm Brothers working in New Dimension Wrestling?
2: Yeah, so you know, actually, I mean, and I've been around New Dimension Wrestling for for years because uh, my dad, uh, you know, like the Thomas Freddy Fuego Demente, Mente, um, he was, you know, he was wrestling then. He was working the Thomasville area and all that, and then uh, my cousin Lumby, he was actually on the on the the same level. So you know, it's kind of always around them, and you know, being around the Storms. So when I started training, I started training back in, uh, I think it was 97, 98, 99, somewhere in that gimmick. Um, when you see guys like that you start training with them, you go, oh, God. You know, you know, my first week of training, they're in there and it's like, well, now I'm dead. You know This This is how I die. I, I'm going <laughs> to get started. Now I'm going to die. You know, this is great, Dad. What you sign me up for, it, you know? Right. <laughs> um, and, and it's so funny because I can remember with Joe and Damien, I Like I said, I remember him showing up the ring, and, and when I started, so I started, I may have weighed 120 pounds, soaking wet, and that might have been with a five-pound bag tied to me. So when those guys got the training, I became the freaking test dummy because I was the young, you know, light guy that everybody could toss around. And I felt like every time the dang Dudleys did something or – Somebody would do something on TV. Well, dang, here comes Joe and Damien. Hey, hey, come here. Come here. Let me show you. Hey, kid, come here. And it's like, God dang, man.
3: <laughs> exactly. So, you know,
2: <laughs> which, and, and, you know, to touch on a little bit, back in, even back when I started, you didn't complain. Like with training with Ken Spence, complaining was, uh, that was a big no-no. You know, you complain, then you're really going to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You know, for me to take a bump, back then into the ring, I felt like a like a rock skipping across the pond. And these guys were into, like, power bombs and, you know, anything they could think of just to toss the body. So every time I'd hit the mat, instead of the big boom, it was more like, do, 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 you know, spelled right. it through every bone from head to toe. So, so yeah, early memories of Joe and Damien was uh, quite scary. Yeah, and yeah.
0: If I, if I could add Tony, I mean, you know, Joe and Damien were... You know, great guys to work with, and and you know, no matter what I may have asked for them, and whether it would be the biggest favors, the smallest favors, whatever it was, they were always there, always reliable, and <laughs> you just never know what was going to happen, and uh, um, it was a crazy time back then, and uh, um, it was just good to see them, and then, you know, come up through the ranks, and. Um, they always they always had a lot of upset fans at them, but they, they they got over and they knew how to get over, and and that was really their their cliche when they were in the ring, and and then their wrestling skill backed it up as well.
1: Yeah, though I mean all, all of those guys, Lee, that that you that you mentioned, um, Chris and I both have, have histories with. We've 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 worked on shows with. We worked on shows together with. As a matter of fact, uh, you mentioned the Lumbee Warrior. Um, the first time, my my first match, and I think it might have been Lumby's second match for Ken Spence, uh, he and I worked each other. And um, and that was the night that um, uh, I, I went over on the Lumby Warrior. But as soon as I rolled out of the ring, I'm sure it was somebody in your family, but some lady hurled a chair and hit me right in the face. <laughs> And the, and the cops had to like, had to like escort me back to the dressing room because I had so much heat. And all I'd done was like tripping, put my foot on the rope, get the one, two, three. I roll out with my hand in the air thinking, okay, this is it. And boom, I get hit in the face with a chair and I don't know who threw it. I'm thinking it was like some older lady could have been Lumby's grandmother. I don't know. But man, I was like yeah I got some heat here, and then somebody said, No, it's just because that's Lumby warriors family they you know, <laughs> they're hey, gonna, they're I'll, they're they're gonna they're gonna kick your ass after the show, so you better leave now oh,
2: oh yeah, I mean what I'm telling you man when the family got in <laughs> so when we all started wrestling, and of course, like the dad and and Lumbee, they came up together at the exact same time uh dad actually trained with um Rick diesel uh, way back in the day, uh, mm-hmm. He started with Rick diesel, so so from there, then he met Ken. Actually, I believe it was in Pop Town. He met Ken. Uh, back then, Dad was doing the sidewalk surfer gimmick, which was, I mean, it was kind of a flop. It didn't work. You know, whatever. It, it, first gimmick. That's what he did. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so Dad gets into it with Ken, talking to Ken. And then, you know, Lumby's living with us at the time. And um, excuse me. so Lumby's living with us at the time. And, and Dad tells him, hey, you know, think about doing this wrestling school or do you want to try it? Lumby's. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll try and see, you know, what's the worst that can happen. Now, mind you, Lumby growing up was just that guy. Um, he would try it and then go, ah eh, okay, not for me, kind of go on about it. Mm-hmm. With wrestling, was different. It, it's something stuck inside Lumby that wrestling just grabbed a whole tub and the guy just ran with it. But, yeah, so for the family to come, and I think I remember that night kind of vaguely, as Joe said before, after some chair shots, the memories are, aren't are as clear, but they're, right. they're there. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, the family, man, when they got involved in wrestling, it made for some of the best matches. Like, when me and Lumbee would tag um, against the Terminators, nonetheless, um, their family and our family, it was just kind of a lot. You know, so it'd be great heat, you know, for, for the Terminators if they were if they were working and, you know. But you got to expect that receipt from the Terminator's family. So, oh yeah, definitely. And, 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 and Tony, if
0: I may add, and we keep going back to Lumbee Warrior, he also, you know, we're going back late '90s. He had uh, an image in the ring that resonated with the fans.
3: Yeah, had, for sure. You know, oh, he yeah.
0: had the you know the Lumbee Indian. Uh, he was young looking. It resonated with the females. I mean, and you just knew whether it was singles, tag, whatever the situation was, whatever the storyline may have been, it was going to be on on that particular Friday or Saturday night, you know, and, you know, win, lose, or draw, it was going to be a brawl. And, and you know, he every time he hit the ring, there's always a bunch of fans cheering for him, and, and you know, you knew you were behind him, and, you know, you were gonna have you
1: were gonna have a good show. Oh yeah, I you know I, I remember uh, when when I first went up to to, uh, to Ken's training um, uh, uh, school, and this 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 is way back this this was back when Ken had his ring like in a barn uh, up in yeah. Pofftown, you yeah, know, I remember <laughs> well. yeah, as cold <laughs> as crap, and it was wintertime, and was, you know, but um, but I remember being in, in there, and um, and uh, uh, junior of the Terminators, he 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 came by. And uh, was doing a little training with with them at the time, and and I remember he's the one that that actually mentioned to Ken, he's like, you know, that that the little guy over there, Tony, I think him and Lumbi would would have a good match together. So um, on the next show, two or three weeks later, whatever it was, um, they they actually put us together and put us in the opening match. And uh, you know, a lot of guys today, you know, I, it, it pisses me off when 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 I'm on a show and I hear some guy go, oh man, I'm curtain jerking, I'm curtain jerking. Man, I tell you what, I'd rather be in that first match than any other match because you as being the first match, you get to set the tone for the whole evening. And you believe it. and you know, and and I've heard Boogie say this plenty of times. The first match is more important than any match on the show because if the first match stinks, you know, the other guys have got a hard job. To um, you know, to 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 bring the show back around. So always put a a main event match, you know, on your first show uh, to really, you know, st- you know, set the standards. I believe. And and whenever Ken, uh, at the time, I mean, at the time, Lumby and I hadn't been working. I mean, L- this is like Lumby's second match, and it might have been my tenth or eleventh. I mean, I was very young and very starting out. So for them to put us in the first match um i you know i took that as, as a great compliment um and and i and i i mean let me I, our match went about five or six minutes but man I'm, you talk about heat i mean i didn't have to do anything i'm arm bar you know and man the whole front row is ready to get in the ring and cut my throat so so you know it was, it was yeah, fun it, it was a it was a good time so uh, i miss those days i miss them tremendously um but i but uh but uh oh, what's up?
2: No, no, no. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought, I, you, were, I thought I, you were done. No, go
1: ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, um, I, I think what, what we'll do right now before we really get into uh, to your career and, and and all this great stuff that happened around the 90s, uh, we're going to take a little break. Um, and when we come back, we're uh, going to be doing our newest segment on the Binge Buster Show called Flashback, uh, this week's flashback um, and this week's flashback is going to be tremendous you fans are going to enjoy it and we're coming back with that right now
0: this week's classic flashback
1: alright everyone this week on the Binge Buster Show our, this week's flashback is from 1985 this week uh, June the 6th in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, was Jim Crockett Promotions inaugural Great American Bash. Uh, July the 6th, 1985, it drew a, attendance of 27,000. And also the WWF had a, an event called King of the Ring 1985. It was held on July the 8th uh, in uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts. Chris, tell, tell us more about this show.
0: I mean, Tony, this was an interesting show uh, for the World Wrestling Federation back then. Um, it was obviously smack dab in the middle of the summer, just off of the 4th of July uh, holiday. Um, and it was a stadium show. It was at Sullivan Stadium, which was which is now Foxborough Stadium up in uh, uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts, where the New England Patriots played. And the Patriots weren't that good in the NFL back in the mid the late uh, uh, '80s, not like they're the dynasty they are today in the NFL, but um, it was a great show. It was the, they were going to crown the king of the ring. They had about sixteen guys in this mix, all wrestling in singles matches. Um, actually, this particular show, if I'm not mistaken, was all singles matches, um, including a main event that had um, Hulk Hogan pitting uh, against Nikolai Volkov. Um, as well for the WWF title. They were coming just a few months off of the inaugural WrestleMania from Madison Square Garden, uh, you know, in in early 85. And uh, they were hot right then. This is when the WWF was running, you know, two, three shows in one day, you know, especially on Saturdays and Sundays. They were all over the country at this point. But a rare stadium show that drew uh, 23,000 fans um, and an outdoor you know, venue, which was obviously somewhat new for the WWF as well.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I I went back and looked at some of the names on this show and man, it was like, you know, tremendous, uh, talent. Uh, they had, uh, the killer bees, Jim Brunzel and B Brian Blair, Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, uh, Steve Lombardi, um, the iron Sheik, Ricky, the dragon steamboat, Greg Valentine, uh, Don, the rock Morocco, Pedro Morales um, and Nikolai Volkoff, and of course, WWF World Champion Hulk Hogan. Um, And I mean, and and what was what's kind of neat about this was um, I had really no clue about this show ever existing. Like I I never thought the King of the Ring ever existed until the nineties. Until I pulled this up online, I was like, man, that this is kind of neat. For you know, for for them to have that, have have this kind of thing back then and and was it chris you, you were telling me right before we went on the air uh this was kind of like the, the 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 start of the king and of course the very next year they bring in harley race and they have another one of these and they make harley race king of wrestling correct
0: C- cor- correct and, and before i get to that tony and i know you used the word curtain jerkers <laughs> you <know>, a few <laughs> minutes ago we had a few. Curtain jerkers here on on the show as far as some of the the workers that were on the show with some of the wrestlers. Um, A lot of this was coming off of the WrestleMania card, but some great things here. I mean, the Iron Sheik made it to the finals against uh, Don the Magnificent Morocco, who was still over in the WWF back then off of his feuds with Jimmy Snuka and Bob Backlund and and, and Hogan, Mm -hmm. per se, but... They gave Sheik some props there because, you know, he lost the title to Hogan, and then you know how it goes, you know, after that with Hulk Hogan on his run and Nikolai getting the shot in the main event. Um, But, yes, this was the first King of the Ring, and then one year later in the King of the Ring 86, it was given, you know, Harley Race won that King of the Ring in 86, and then that's how he became the King Harley Race. So this was definitely somewhat experimental, Um, And and some great guys on this show, Terry Funk and Steamboat and Valentine and Junkyard Dog and Morocco, Pedro Morales. I mean, from top to bottom, you have some great talent on this show. And also another fact, they actually ran Syracuse, New York that night as well at the same time. Uh, That's just how much talent Vince McMahon had at that time. He ran a 7 card a uh, seven match show in Syracuse, New York that evening in addition to the 15 matches that night in Foxborough.
1: Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Now, now lead like like going back to this time, um who who were, who were who were like some of your favorite guys in the WWF?
2: Well, okay, so funny enough, back in that time I was a year old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so pretty much anybody that kind of ran across the screen was probably, hey, you know. Right, right. right. Um, but no, uh, like growing up watching wrestling and again, we were army brats, so we kind of did get to move around a little bit, but primarily we were NWA guys. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that was kind of, that was kind of the stronghold for us, but you know, watching WWF, it was more of a, a a Piper Hogan appealed to me, but it was more of a, Hogan appealed to me just because. Like he appealed to the promoters when he went. It, it was his size. It was like, oh my god, this guy's astronomical. You know. Mm-hmm. And then, funny enough, and I don't know how much heat this will get me, but later on, as I learned the business, Hogan became my least favorite. <laughs> you know, just because it was like, well, dang man, you know, five moves.
3: Right now, yeah. don't
2: get me wrong. The, he put those five moves Who put those five moves over? And you know, somewhat of a general in the ring. But yeah, so. As far as WWF goes, man, I I grew more into that into the early '90s, kind of watching that, and you know, so I missed a lot of. Unfortunately, I missed a lot of the the really great back in '85 and you know '86 or whatnot. But if I'm not mistaken, and you guys, are great because you definitely know more than I will, wasn't that when kind of Vince Junior was kind of taken over from Senior? So there was kind of a I don't say controversy, but it was kind of a, you know, was kind of, Vince Sr. was trying to let go of the reins, but didn't want to let go of the reins. Is that kind of right, or am I in a different world well, on there? Well, I, I, I think,
1: this, yeah, it, was, it was a, a couple years before 85, right, Chris?
0: Oh, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. At this point in the WWF history, this was Vince Jr.'s promotion. I mean, at this oh, okay. point, um, I mean, literally, the WWF ran – WrestleMania on a shoestring budget. They, to- they really did. I mean, the promotion financially wasn't in the best shape in, in early 85 from a financial standpoint, but obviously bringing Hogan in, he was coming off uh, 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 rock, the Rocky movie and you had a lot of things going. They had the rock and wrestling connection with Cindy Lauper and Mr. you, know, you had Mr. T. You had, you had a lot of things going there and that's what really catapulted the WWF. So yeah, this was definitely Vince jr's promotion at, at this point.
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah.
1: And and actually guys, one night I was actually at a show with uh, David Crockett and we were talking about this and, and he told me, he said, Hey, he goes, my brothers and us, um, paid for WrestleMania one. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, we, we, we paid for WrestleMania one. He goes, but this is how we paid for it. They gave Vince McMahon, um, I think it was $1 million um, for his slot on WTBS, and he used that money to fund WrestleMania. (laughs) (laughs) Gee.
2: Hey, that's smart business.
1: Yeah.
3: And, you
2: know, that goes goes back to look at him today, and honestly, I mean, and the product has changed so much. I mean, definitely over the years you see it, you know, I, You don't see the same thing over and over. Every era, they're going to move up to a different stage. Whether yeah. you know people absolutely love it or hate it, whatever, he's still going to make that money coming rolling in. So, yeah, it's kind of funny to hear that. That you know, if you, I would imagine if you'd mention a million dollars to Vince today, it would be like mentioning you know a hundred grand to locals like us. You know, oh, hundred. okay, great, hundred grand. You know, but right. You know, yeah. So, I mean, he—I mean, his numbers are astronomical. So, yeah, it's kind of funny to hear that, Tony, that, you know, David Crockett, you know, kind of throwing his plug in there like, hey, you know, we kind of paid for WrestleMania. It's, I don't know. I don't know how that would make you, you know, sleep and, at and, night. And, <laughs> yeah. And,
0: Tony, if I might interject a little bit. Yes. I mean, this was at the start of, of, of cable television. Yes. As well, back mm-hmm. in the mid-'80s. Exactly. And, and, and to watch WrestleMania, you had to go watch it on closed-circuit television at a local arena. You just couldn't get it in your home. You physically had to go to a local place that was showing it, like what my father took me to the New Haven Coliseum, and they were showing it on closed circuit television with a bunch of other people in the arena. So it was a totally different market back then of how they were generating their money and revenue, not like today where they're just working off of pay-per-view buys off of someone's home sitting on the couch or now even streaming on the WWE Network. So, I mean, we're going way, way back to they were really expanding nationally as well at this point, beyond just a, a Northeast, Northern United States, you know, wrestling
1: company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, WWF was was actually starting to bubble. I mean, it was it was more than bubbling. It was it was on fire um, because right after this was uh, when all the toy deals started happening, the ice cream right. bars, the cartoons. Um and you know and I remember man 1985 I got my first wrestling action I call them action figure my mom called them dolls but I got my and my and and, and the very first one I got I got the the Hulk Hogan and the Iron Sheik and that was the two I got and I uh, will tell you guys a funny story I was I was a heel from the time I was a baby okay but one day uh, for Christmas that that year the, you know first first one that when they made these these action figures uh, LJN made them. Um, and they were, they were like the little, um, rubber dolls. They, they, they weren't imposable, but you know, they, they were like in one pose and that's the pose they were. And I remember getting, uh, for Christmas that year, I got Hulk Hogan and the Iron Sheik and I'm like, man, it'd be cool if they'd make a ring, you know, for this. And just a few months later, they, uh, they start making more action figures of like, you know, Randy Savage and, uh, 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 um, Nikolai Volkov, Jesse Venter, you know, start making a bunch of them. But they, they, they finally made the ring. Well, one Saturday, I'm at, the, I believe it was Roses or Kmart, one of the stores. But I'm there, and this kid, man, he's, he's got the ring. You know, he's, he, he, he got the last ring off the shelf. And I'm following this kid around. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to take that ring. When that kid sets that ring down, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. I'm going to take that ring from that kid, you know. And sh- sure enough, he he comes around the corner. He's looking for his mom. He's like, "Mom, mom!" Mm-hmm. And he comes up, and his mom goes, "I ain't buying that ring." And I jerked it out of his hand, <laughs> took off with it.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I took the ring from the kid, you know. And ain't no uh, word,
2: kid, I got it. Yeah, and, I, and, and
1: and I go right to my dad. I'm like, "Dad, I need this ring. This only it's only ring. It's only and it's only twenty bucks. Come on, dad, please. I'll mow the grass, you know." And of course, dad um, buys it. But, uh, but it was so funny. I like, I took that ring from that kid.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you, Tony, and, I, and, and listen, don't, don't judge me here. You know, my parents still live up, live up in Guilford, Connecticut. We grew up just 30, 40 minutes down the road from the WWF headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut. That ring is still sitting in my bedroom up in Connecticut. Years, oh, decades later, my mom still hasn't touched the room. If there was one thing I wished my father did, I wish he would have bought two rings. Yeah. Because one for me and my brother to play and my brother's a year younger than me, and we mm-hmm. played in we you know all the dolls, all the scuff marks and everything. And I wish we never took one out of the box. I would love to know what one goes for today. Oh thousands not to of dollars touch it out I'm of the sure. box. I could well, only imagine oh yeah. someone would potentially would pay for that some thirty five years forty years
2: later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would imagine the bidding on that would be astronomical. Oh, yeah. It would it, just, just be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it would definitely yeah, be just insane. Just that nostalgia of it would – I mean, yeah, that would just drive it up. Yeah, that Chris, that would have been awesome. But uh, who
0: would have thought? No who one thought, hell about, thought that, about that. Yeah. No one thought because, <laughs> you know, think of me. I lived in Connecticut, and and trust me, just like the NWA was shoved down – you know, everything was NWA. Up there, that's all we knew. Sure. It was, it was Hulk Hogan – and and you know Macho Man Randy Savage and the list goes on and on, but that's it was constantly and and they came to Connecticut you know every thirty days to, re- to wrestle you know so you, that's all we saw up there.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That was- yeah. That, that would just that would be crazy to see today's date with an, an open ring. And, oh and my it's, God. It, it's funny you guys mentioned it. Of course, and and again, you guys are maybe a year or two older than me. I don't want to say too much. But, But, uh, so, uh, Evan, um, you know, my little brother, Evan. So he's the one that Joe was talking about on your, on your podcast doing the El Gaito gimmick. Uh Um, he was 10 working as a midget, but anyway, so Evan got a lot of the wrestlers and the wrestling rings. Like that was, we all love to watch wrestling and even, even with Lumby, like we would do the backyard matches that I wish you guys could see because the laughs and horror would kind of go through the roof. But so Evan had these gimmicks, and I remember even even when Evan was like super super baby small, um, the older wrestlers that they were kind of tall. They wasn't the same uh, scale of the you know the miniature or not miniature, but they were regular size. But they had the they were like extremely large. And I remember there was like King Kong Bundy. Hulk Hogan, stuff like
3: that.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so, honestly, I want to say that was my first color was from one of those dang action figures because it, like, popped me <laughs> right in the nose. It was, like, made of this hard rubber. Yep. I mean, it's straight, hard, a hard way as you can get. Nose just gushing blood, and here comes that. Ah, uh, suck it up kid rub some dirt on you know it's kind
1: of how he was you know right So you know you know you yeah. uh, you uh you uh talk about um injuries before you got into wrestling I, I gotta tell you all a funny story um so when i was about 13 years old um my my cousin and i were, were wrestling in, in his bedroom you know we're, he had like this queen-size bed on one side of his room and on the other side was his brother's room was his brother's bed it was like i guess it was a full-size bed i don't know but anyway, we're like beating the crap out of each other. Cause back then we, we, uh, we didn't know it was a word. We thought it was real. So we're killing each other. Right. And his mom comes in there and she's like, if you guys don't stop wrestling, when, when y'all get hurt, everybody's getting a spanking. Right. So oh we're sorry. We won't do it anymore. As soon as she walks out of the bedroom, the door before the door ever shuts, I'm snatching a headlock. Right. And we're just, we're just beating each other up. Well, so we didn't have ropes. So, so the way we do it is between his brother's bed and his bed was like our rope. So we bounce from bed to bed. So I go running at him. He bends down and gives me a legit backdrop over his head onto his bed. I land on the bed so hard that it catapults me over like backwards. I go off the bed and here's here's where the fun starts. As I flip over the bed, I'm barefoot my big toe gets caught between the the um, the the bed frame and the box spring and guys it popped my big toe right in right by the knuckle came out right came out the bone i looked down and it did it so fast like it, it was like a tickle but it, it it was no pain but then all of a sudden it's like a like my it's like a cartoon you know when when bugs bunny gets his finger mashed and it, it, his toe looks like it's about you know 10 sizes too big that's kind of how mine <laughs> yeah. felt right and i look down and so so my 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 big toe is like over off my foot and the bone is like hanging out one side <laughs> at the knuckle and um every time my heart beat my my toe would jump and i'm like mark you broke my toe off my foot and here here's here, here's the money shot he says well don't go tell mom we'll get a spanking <laughs> and my toe is hanging off my foot right so, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? And as I look down, blood's just squirting. I mean, it's gushing. I, I got some good color coming, right? So, I just walk in there like nonchalant. His mom is like sewing, you know, she crochet, cr- crocheting, whatever. And I'm like, hey, uh, can you fix my toe? And she's like, yeah, sure, give it to me. I'm like, okay. I give her my toe and she, she faints. <laughs> <laughs> and she falls out on the floor. So, now I'm really panicking. So um, I just reached down and slapped my toe. I don't know. I don't know why I did this back then, but I just hit my toe. And when I did, it went back in place, but it was still bleeding. And then here here comes my dad, you know, he's pissed off. And he's like, uh, now I got to take it to the hospital and find out what's wrong with your foot. And so we go to the hospital and they go, oh, yeah, it's broken. It's got, it's got a compound fracture. And why? But we don't understand why the why, like, how'd you cut it? And I'm like, well, I didn't cut it. The bone was hanging out. Uh, what do you mean the bone was hanging out? Well, you know, the toenail and the toe was over here and the bone was over there. And they're like, oh. So they end up having to reset it and everything. But uh, that that was my first wrestling injury.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's many more to come. Sure. Oh,
1: tons more.
2: <laughs> One you'll never forget. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a
1: whole it's bunch it's of the them.
2: That's what, that's what
1: builds you love, Tony. It's, right, exactly, right it's right. Exactly. right right. That's way I thought. I said to myself, well, if I can survive a broken toe, I can survive anything in wrestling. Um, <laughs> But, yeah. yeah,
2: and I mean you made heat in the house, you know, to have a fifth that, that was your instant heat. That yeah, yeah. That, that was it,
1: you know. Uh now getting getting back to our flashback, um the the next uh, the other show I, I want to talk about and and uh, and Lee, you, you touched base on this. You uh, you said that you that you were more of a Crockett fan growing up. So that's kind of what our next uh was, was gonna be about. Uh The Great American Bash, nineteen eighty five. That took place on July the sixth. Uh, which which would be like the the the, uh, the same date um, of this week of uh, th- this week in June, uh, but this was 1985. This show took place um, at the uh, American Legion Memorial Stadium in downtown Charlotte, North Carolina. It drew 27,000 people. With the main event on the show being in a steel cage, Dusty Rhodes versus Tully Blanchard uh, for the NWA Television Title and Baby Doll, um, but. The an, another another big big match on this show it was like well they they built it a double main event, uh, Rick Flair of versus Nikita Koloff, um, and David Crockett was a special guest referee. Uh, what are what are some of you guys uh, memories of, of of this particular show?
2: Yeah, so again for me it's more of a I had to go back and watch it, right? Um, but I and I'd be honest with you, this is what kind of built my love for wrestling is. Matches, especially in the 85 to 88, 89 era. But Flair was a huge thing for me. Like, Flair, as in most people, I mean, he just popped as a matter of, and it wasn't like, I don't know, it, and that's I wasn't one of the teeny boppers that drooled over Flair. I mean, you know, but it was like, God, this guy's got everything. Like, this guy can work, he can, you know, show off, everything. Before I even knew what the heck a freaking work was, you know. Yeah. It was. It was just that. But yeah. So like going back and watching that, and then watching like you said with Dusty. Um, anytime to me in that era when you put Dusty in a cage, I, I mean, I feel like that's when his his I guess aura or whatever you want to call it just kind of went through the roof, man. Like yeah. He, he just became a whole different animal to the, to it's like, God, here's the, oh, here's the nasty side of him, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
2: to be a, you know, super, super baby then, and then, you know, have that nasty side to him. So yeah, that was, no, that was my memories of those going back and watching. Um, and if I'm not, incorrectly, correct me, God, please correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't, um, they kind of tried to do the same gimmick, right? Chris with, uh, or Chris and Tony with, uh, they were adding music into it a little bit. Um, Dang. Dang, it It was somebody
1: singing there right it was a uh yeah. artist yeah 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 at this time is uh when they uh started uh, like at the great american bashes they, they 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 would have like a country concert and then wrestling
2: yeah and yeah, and, yeah.
1: and on this yeah, one yeah. it was david allen Coe. oh yeah of
2: course <laughs> and and of course back
1: then they you know david allen, david allen Coe was was a uh, pretty popular uh you know he uh, he had that song uh uh it was all I could do to keep from crying you know and right, uh, and, right, right. and and that song was big and then uh the very next year 1986 I, you know I won't really get into that I'm just going to touch base on this area but um even 1986 they uh done the same thing during, the, during those great american bashes and and fans if you want to go back and listen to some of our previous shows Chris and I actually talked about uh, great American bash 86 but uh, again they they brought in the um, the, the, the country artists I think uh, in 86 they not only had David Allen Coe but they had Waylon Jennings and um, oh who else they have I want to say they had Hank Williams jr but I can't I, I don't know that for a fact but I know for sure that they had David Allen Coe and Waylon Jennings on the great on the uh, great American bash tour of 86 and in the south uh, if you go back and think about this you um, in the South, in the '80s, uh, the 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 there were three things that were popular here in the Carolinas. It was country music, NASCAR, and Jim Crockett promotions. That was that was the deal back then.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was yeah. your whole source of entertainment.
1: That um, was it. Uh, now, I mean, Chris, uh, on on this show, what was uh what what did, what do you think was was one of your favorite matches?
0: Well, I I mean, Tony, when I look at this show. It was. it's loaded from top to bottom. Yeah. But let, let, let's be honest here. Every match, it, it's loaded with, with, with some kind of talent on, on either side of the ring. You know, I look at the show, superstar Billy Graham was on the show, mm-hmm. coming off his WWF run. Abdul the Butcher was on the show. Actually attacked a good friend of yours, Jimmy Valiant. Yeah. On, on, on the show. This is when they were doing the crossover with the AWA. Right, uh, Jim mm-hmm. Crockett Promotions was was they were they were swapping talent back and forth with the AWA in 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 the, the mid U.S. as the Road Warriors were the tag team champions, um, and then and Kamala was on this show as as well. He was still still doing some, um, you know WWF work as well. But the greatest the thing here, I don't think a lot of people realize. And of course, Dusty and Tully in the main event, you know how that's going to go with Baby Doll. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that storyline, they, they were really pushing it then. But, Tony, in this particular program, this particular card, Ric Flair was the babyface in that double main event. I mean, Nikita right. mm-hmm. with Ivan, they were going out for blood. Yeah. I mean, Ric Flair, I mean, one of the rare, they were pushing him in Jim Crockett promotions, you know, as the favorite and, and a rare time for Ric Flair in his career as NWA world champion. I don't think a lot of people realize that.
1: Right, and and if you go back and, and look at some of the footage um, leading up to this, um, they they really packaged this together to, to really get the fans involved because they had um, Nikita and Ivan would come out and then uh, they were like – like Ivan Ivan kept saying – you know, Nikita's been training in the dungeon. He's training in the dungeon, and then right. all of a sudden, they uh, started showing these these vignettes of Nikita. You know, in this dungeon, training hard and training hard and getting ready. and And I remember them uh, putting a picture of Ric Flair on a uh, punching bag, and Nikita would just sit there and just keep giving that punching bag the Russian sickle, Russian sickle. And then they come out uh, on television, and and I guess at well, some point they they had jumped Ric Flair. And David Crockett intervened himself and said, you know, he he kept inter, you know interrupting the, uh, Ivan's promo, and finally Nikita just friggin' gave David Crockett the Russian sickle, and David took a hellacious bump, and I and I don't think David took the bump; I think Nikita just knocked his ass <laughs> on him, knocked him on his butt, you know. Um, but but that was a good way to 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 lead that into the show, and then of course make David Crockett the special guest referee. Um, and uh, you know, it turned out to, it turned out to be a decent match. It wasn't. I don't think it was Ivan. I'm sorry, Nikita or Ric Flair's best match. Um, I, I think one of the, some of their best matches was like later on, you know, at '86. But uh, but but at this time, Ivan or Nikita was still learning. Um, you know, learning his craft. Uh, he, I uh, Nikita is like one of the probably one of the only guys besides probably Goldberg that um, that really didn't uh, start out at you know learning the stuff, uh, he basically just got thrown in there and he it was kind of like, you know, training on the go, uh, uh you know, uh, you know, per, per se. So, uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, that, you know, Nikita definitely got a tremendous push, uh, not off, not based off of his, uh, wrestling ability, but based off his, his look. Um, and back then Nikita was a monster.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, and, and, and this particular show again, a few months after WrestleMania, you know, in July for the NWA and Jim Crockett Promotions, David Allen Coe, twenty seven thousand for the NWA back then, Jim Crockett Promotions was a lot of people for an outdoor event. So great for them. I mean, they had a. I mean, this was a this was a great card from top to bottom. From the opening match down, I mean, it's just, it, it's some great wrestlers to see. And, you know, you got a couple of journeymen in there. And, and at the end of the day, I think the fans were entertained. And, uh, um, you know, in that dusty baby doll angle and Magnum, TA, and I mean, it was just, it was, it was made for television, but a rare show. If you were there, Ric Flair walked the aisle and you don't see too many, you know, it was always booed every time. But when he walked out on Charlotte that night, he was definitely the oh, fan yeah. favorite.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, that 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 show was definitely amazing. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, but but fans, that's, that, that's going to wrap up uh, this week's uh, edition of this week's Flashback. Uh, and now I'm excited because now we're going to turn the show over to our guest. I'm talking about uh, Lee Storm. We're going to be talking to him about his career. Uh, and that's coming up right now on the Binge Buster Show.
2: Strap yourself
1: in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. All right. Lee, welcome to the Binge Buster Show.
2: Yeah, man. Awesome to be here. Awesome. This is good stuff right here.
1: So now, um, I know earlier in the show, we kind of touched base on how you got your start. Um, Tell us about when and how you kind of got involved in the uh, Storm Legacy.
2: Well, so, yeah, the Storm Legacy actually came about on the second run of uh, EPCW uh, or or Joe's promotion. Um, The way it was supposed to go was me and Evan, actually, uh, like I mentioned, my younger brother, um, were supposed to kind of take over the Storm name. Uh, Unfortunately, none of that happened. Well, I I shouldn't say unfortunately. Fortunately, unfortunately, it didn't go as planned. But, so that's how the Storm Legacy was supposed to go. And, and then, instead, me and Joe kind of just kept going like, hey, we'll, we'll run as many shows as, well, know, to be honest, as many as we wanted to. Um, so, and in, in going back to where we started the show, these guys that I had feared, uh, and, and trust me, working my first matches against these guys, you know, I'd have Dad in my corner, and Joe and Damien on the other side, I'm just like, well, I'm screwed because Dad's going to do nothing but rid me the whole match, and then these guys are going to kill me the whole match, so, well, the hell, what am I supposed to do? So, what going from that to being a part of uh, the film legacy, man, it's, it was an amazing kind of like, I don't want to say made kind of thing, you know, it's, you know, we're not the mafia or anything like that, but... To let you know where you 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 stand for those guys to respect me enough to go, hey man, you know, we want to put this Storm Brothers name on you, Storm Legacy. Man, that was a that was a huge pat on my back. That was, I, I mean i I've loved every second, even even into all the troubles we've gotten into. It's been quite fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I uh, and and they definitely I, live up to their name. Yeah, and I've definitely you know, and and most of those shows that, that you're talking about where there's crazy stuff happened I've I've actually been lucky enough to be on those shows and oh, yeah. and 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 kind of witness that firsthand. <laughs> uh so uh yeah, it's a good time and um speaking of that, like where like of all all the years that that you've been in uh, in this business, uh where where's probably one of your favorite places to wrestle?
2: Um, you know, I, I'm like all the other guys. I have to say, Thomasville has always been Mecca, man. Um, just because the crowds are there, the 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 just being in that arena to independent guys like us is a huge thing. I, I know what's been there. I remember being there with Wahoo McDaniels. I remember being there with Wally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Things of that nature, you know, uh, Chris Cruz. I, I remember even as I became my own, to a teenager, Chris Cruz being there with Rick or uh, Rick Lee and Chris Cruz throwing freaking cheeseburgers in the ring, you know, Yeah. Um, stuff like that. So, and then when you stand in the back of it and I get it as a as fan's perspective, it's different out there than it is in the back. But when you, there's, there's been times I've worked in the Tom'sville Armory and I just stand in the back and go, man, this is, this is awesome you know this is it right here this is this is what all the bumps and bruises kind of led me like this is so cool and you know i don't i don't know i've kind of taken the terry funk approach i don't know how many times i've quit this thing mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah you me <mean> both
2: <laughs> you, you know i mean you say it i remember i remember being on a show with Lee, and we were in the back talking and Rick said hey lee how, how old are you kid and at the time i think i was like Twenty-eight, twenty-nine, and I had told the promoter, promoter, like, "Hey, man, this is the last show I'm taking. Like, I don't, I just don't want to do this anymore." But now take it. I was married then and had small children, so in my mind, I was like, uh, "I've seen how this goes. I, I need to worry about this." Right. Um, but yeah, so Rick kind of ribbing me, like, "Kid, I've been in this longer. I got boots older than you." Like, oh, okay, that's fair.
3: <laughs> Thanks, mm-hmm. Rick.
2: Um, but yeah, so I mean, no, it's it, it's been a it's been a great journey, but so yeah, Thomasville would definitely be my Mecca. My so if I was to, if I were able to hang up the boots completely, I think Thomasville would be the place I would like to do it. But then again, after me and Joe's last stunt, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's welcomed or not. Well,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm with you there on, uh, as far as Thomasville goes. Um, you know, when I first started wrestling, um, I was struggling over what kind of gimmick and image I wanted to have. I just really didn't know. Um, and when I first started, I was extremely, extremely, um, um shy. I mean, I really was, and, I, and I, I'm a heel and I, and I wanted to be a heel. Um, but, but, you know, all I would do, I'd walk out on television, I'd walk out and I really wouldn't say anything to the crowd. I'd just kind of look at them, you know? And then one time Jimmy Valiant pulled me to the side. And he's like, kid, you know, if you want to get, if you want to get heat, you got to, you got to give heat. And, um, he's like, you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta work the crowd, you know? And so one day, I, I met somebody that was that was a seamstress, and I said, you know, I, I would love to have a robe like Ric Flair's, but I mean, those those things are like ten grand. And she's like, well, just go get some material, I'll make you one. And I'm like, what? She's like, oh yeah, I used to make clothes, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I, I asked her, I said, well, how much do I need? She's like, well, go buy this, go buy that. And uh, so I go buy all, all this material and she makes me this robe and it was beautiful. It was, it was like lavender um, because at the time my favorite uh, Ric Flair robe was that purple one that he wore. They had the great big, huge sleeves that hung down. Um, oh yeah. I wanted that robe. And so, but I, but I, I wanted that color, but I didn't want to have that same exact style because I didn't want any people to think I was ripping off Ric Flair. Um, even though it was, but, um, (laughs) you know, so she makes me this robe and guys, I'm telling you from the time I got that robe, I was probably 22 years old. Uh, that robe really changed me. It made me, you know, come out of my shell and I could talk and I don't know. It just gave me a, a vote of confidence. And, uh, but the place I debuted that robe was Thomasville. And so, um, I remember wearing it out and man, I was, I just felt like, I was like, okay, I'm in my hometown. Uh, you know, I'm wearing this robe and man, my wrestling career is taking off. I, I love it. And 20 some years later, uh, Joe is running a the show there in Thomasville. And I said, you know, I think tonight would be a good night to wear this robe out one more time and retire it, you know. And and I did, uh, wore it out to the ring that night and I haven't worn it since. It's, it's, it's actually still uh, hanging here in my closet. Um, and I haven't worn it any, any on any of the shows since then, uh, because in my mind I'm like, okay, I started in Thomasville, I, I want to end, you know, I want to end that robe there, and, and so I did. Uh, but I, I'm with you on that, Lee. Uh, Thomasville is just a special little town. Uh, that army yeah. always, I mean, the the huge wrestling fans. I mean, they were they were diehard fans that came there, um, and uh, and 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 then they had a good time.
2: Oh yeah, and, and I remember the days of like when Ken ran it, and then and and Chris when Chris when you ran it, man. I, I remember Fire Marshal being there. Go, huh, no more. That's <laughs> it. You bring another person in. <laughs> you know, that's it. You know, and those were times, man. And I remember, and it's funny because I get to talk to a lot of people. You know, when when they hear you do pro wrestling, of course, you know, always the first gimmick is how fake is it? Yeah. You know, and it's like, well let me go through my list of injuries and then you just tell me how fake you think it is. But, um, and then the next question is always, well, what famous people have you met?" I said, well, I remember watching uh, surge and will of the wisp, you know, <laughs> they go, Oh yeah. Who, who the hell is that? I said, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, Mr. Hardy boys, you know, <laughs> or, <Right. laughs> you know, or, or you mentioned Wahoo McDaniels and, and those were, that was that building, you know, it's like, and, and Chris, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, I know people have said this to you, but man, my hat's off to you because the talent that you brought in brother, you as a Southern kid, you made dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah,
0: hey, hold on I, a minute. Hold a I'm having a lot of flashbacks here. Um, you, you, Thomasville was a, a, is a hidden gem in the Carolinas independent wrestling scene. Um, so much talent came through that those doors and, and, and you're sitting in the back in the locker room area. I know you both can relate to that and so many more, um, you know, whether it was Ken or whoever was promoting at the time or even to today. Um, boy, there's, I mean, it, it was great stuff. And I appreciate the compliment as well. I mean, we brought some great talent in some talent that was off the of television or just coming up through the ranks and, you know who knew where the Hardy Boys were going, and and Amy Dumas, who became you know Lita in the WWE, and, and the list goes on and on. I mean, we could talk here all night, but great, great stuff in the mid to late '90s, early '2000s, and uh, hey, we were all we were all a part of something really, really good. I don't even know if we even really thought how good it was really. It's, we were just almost like it was just show up there every 30 days. It was going to be a good rest. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I, right.
1: I was going to say, you know, looking back now, we're like, man, that was an amazing time. But at the time we were doing it, we, we were just doing things we loved, you know, and, and yeah, our, you and our hearts, we, in our hearts, we were like living out our dreams. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I, 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 I gotta say this joke. You're going to love it. But, Lee, you sat there and said, Chris made your dreams come true. I think Chris made a lot of women's dreams come true back then.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) But no, listen, I mean, you know, and that was really what it was all about. I mean, you know, whether I was running shows or or, or, or with Ken or 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 Joe or whoever, it was always, always, always the end of the day it was about entertaining the fans. Yeah. You know, hey, guys, go in the ring. You know, do what you got to do. You know, let, let, let's put a great show on. But it was always about the fans at the end of the day. And they were some great fans. They were local. You know, they were blue-collar fans. That's it. And they still are today. Yeah. And they came to have a night out, to put their problems away for a few hours, whatever their problems were, maybe back at home or at work or whatever, and we entertained them, and that was their outlet for entertainment—good, bad, in the middle, whatever happened. Because the goal was, we wanted to come back next month. That was the goal. I think of every wrestler that walked through there. Let's get them back there next month, and let's entertain them one more time. And and it was just—it was something really special, and it will always, always be near and dear to my heart. No matter any shows I ever did around the country. Thomasville will always have a special place, at least in, in, in my heart.
2: Yeah. yeah, and and honestly, in those times, and, and Tony, I, I know you'll back me up on this, and Chris, I, I absolutely know you will. So those times were different, too. And especially, like, when I started out, so I started out as the fly white guy, which was the worst gimmick I could ever come up with, but I promise you was better than it was going to be slam shady. So just to let you know, that's, <laughs> that's the other route it was going. So, But... Being back in those times, being the Fly White guy, I mean, I was the curtain jerk, or I was the Battle Royal guy, you know, to where I remember Ken, God, what pissed me off about Ken Spence was, Ken would put you in this Battle Royal, my first match was a Battle Royal in Thomasville, North Carolina, and I remember Ken telling everybody, hey, this is, uh, this is the Fly White guy's first match, and I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, that's so cool, you know, my promoter's introducing me to everybody, this is freaking awesome what I didn't realize was later that night that my damn chest was going to bleed through my back because.
1: Right. Cause they're the all, new- they're all coming after you.
2: Yeah. Everybody's coming to kick your ass. So, or part of my friend's kicking your butt. So, you know, but it was kind of that welcome to the business to where, and, and I don't want to get too political into the wrestling business too much or whatever, but today's times is different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well you know, well,
1: well, it, you, know it, you know Lee uh, I, I don't mean to cut you off but uh if you remember and I'm not going to call out this promoter's name but uh if you remember probably about a year ago you me you and um and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Joe well, was on a show together and the the ring was horrible the show oh, yeah. was horrible <laughs> and I remember me and you and Joe were like man times have changed so much.
2: I mean, it really has. When you sit in the back and you watch these guys, are you, you know, one thing we were always taught is listen, shut Mm -hmm. up and listen. Yep. Even, even all the years in, like I said, I started in 97, 98. Um, the years that I've had in it, that was the one thing that was drilled into me the most, whether it be my dad telling me or somebody else, Hey kid, shut up and listen, you'll learn a lot. So, I still have that bad habit or habit, and I shouldn't say bad habit, but I have that habit. I'll sit in the back and I just listen. In. And I mean, it's like a freaking playlist of 100 da, 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 miles an hour. I remember me, you and Joe sitting in the back of the show that you're talking about going, the minutes of that, I'm already blowed up just listening. like Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I remember we, uh, I, I made, I don't know if it was you or Joe one, uh, start cracking up, but these guys were going through their whole match and I'm just staring at them. And, and I, it might've been you Lee, but I looked there, I said, so going to forget everything before he gets out there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Every damn thing, you know, it's like, uh-huh. where, where do you go from here? kid? Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: And everybody that I've ever worked and and I've worked a lot of great guys. um met a lot of great business or people in this business. It was phenomenal. Every person I've ever worked it always starts out the same way. Like, Hey, we're, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to go out and make money, man. Let's uh, let's let's do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, what do you mean? I said, well, let's let's just go have fun. Like, don't you like wrestling? Yeah, love it. Well, cool. Let's, let's just go love it then. Let's, let's just get out there and have fun. Yep. So all that, you know, that play card shit, this is stuff that i learned from people like Ricky Morton. Mm-hmm. Ricky Morton is one of those guys in the business. And in the back, in the ring, Ricky Morton is, an absolutely phenomenal guy in the back. He's not a guy you want on your bad side or no. you don't want to be on his rather, because then yeah. all night long, you're just going to hear it. And I've been there. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Dude, I'm I'm mean, i get to learn. Chris,
1: Chris, I, Chris, I, I, Chris, I know you can vouch for this. If yeah. you're on a show with Ricky Morton and he's in a good mood, chances are you're going to hear a joke you never heard before, but you're going <laughs> to wish that you never forgot it.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, and, 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 you know, you, you, absolutely, Tony. I'm not going <laughs> to deny anything you're saying there. And, and having Ricky in the back, and you got Valiant in the back, and you got all these, even, I know we said Pistol Pez Watley earlier, and, and, and you know, rest of soul. I mean, you had guys that were not only, you had NWA legends in the locker room that were trying to bring up the next generation of wrestlers. And even if you took a little nugget of what they were talking to you, hopefully you could apply it. That next match or whatever else you're doing in your career, because it was it's in you can't put a price on it. No, no, at you the can't. end of the day of what those guys have been through and and um, it always melt made me feel good when we had good talent in the locker room and talent that hopefully some of the you know you know the local guys or they're trying to do to, to to make their way up the ranks and and we had a lot of great talent that's come up through the Carolinas that made it to the national level and are still there today, making a lot of money. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day, you know, and, 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 and everyone's chasing that dream.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. but, but unfortunately uh, I, I think a lot of guys now, uh, chase a dream a lot different than, than some of oh, all,
2: old yeah. school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, Oh yeah. Well, it's yeah. definitely a, a selfish dream. I mean, if you think about being in the ring, man, it's, It's a dance between two or four or, you know, six men or whatever it may be. And I think a lot of guys kind of lose that value of it as a matter of, you know, let me go out here and do 100 flips so I look amazing. And that's all well well and good, but. Yeah,
0: I I mean, Tony, we're talking way pre-social media here. Yes. We're talking, I mean, we're talking – we're calling guys going to the local payphone phone or paging somebody or, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny here. No, but you're I'm, right, I'm Chris. I'm being a realist at the same right. time. I mean, we're, you know, you're talking stuff on, you know, VHS and CDs. I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously.
1: And
3: hey, Chris, yeah,
0: back, back
1: and, and, and guys, back then. I mean, then, that's
0: what you sent the promoters. You sent them a VHS tape or CD of you. Now you just can yeah. text it to them. Now you're like, hey, uh, check, uh, check or, me out on YouTube. You yeah. Or you had to have a shot, you too, you know? but yeah, here, just go here. I um, mean, yeah, uh, yeah, we're talking two totally different generations here, but that's how it was. Uh,
2: no, you're right, and I remember going around to the back, and 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 I don't mean to cut you off, Tony. Just, no, 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 you're I fine. I remember the first thing, you know, the other one of the first lessons I learned is carry this black book. You know, I remember, you know, growing up, being a black book was for girls. Well, in the, in the wrestling business, it was like, hey, get everybody's number that you possibly can. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, and
2: that's the way you could you know call these promoters. Hey man, I'm free. Do you got a show? Or or you know this guy knows this guy. Blah 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 blah. You know, and you, you like you guys said you don't do that now. Hell, I've been booked off Facebook more than I can. I'm almost oh yeah, thing, but Me it
1: happened. Uh, I, and I, what I was gonna say earlier, I knew this 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 was when I knew that I was behind the times. Right, I go to a show one day. This is a few years back. And I walk up to the promoter, and he's like, "Hey, Tony, they uh, need your music out there." I'm like, "Okay, cool." Well, I have my music on a cassette tape. <laughs> <laughs> hey, That's
3: okay, Tony. That's okay. That's yeah. right. I, I
1: walk up, and I'm, I give the guy the tape, and he's like, "What is this?" I'm like, "It's my music." He goes, "Uh, the fuck,
2: you want me to do with this?" Yeah, he's
1: like, he's Freak like, park. he's like music. He's like, "Uh, you uh don't have a um a, a memory card?" I'm like, "Yeah, my phone." He's like, no, no, no. He's like, I, I, I put the music on the computer. I, I, can't play, I can't play this tape. And I'm like, shit. And I'm like, well, you got any Motley Crue? And he's like, yeah, sure. I was like, okay, we'll just play some Motley Crue. I don't care.
0: I know, I know. He made you look good when you can't, when you walk that aisle. I
1: know he made you look good that night. I walk, I walk out and, I'm like, and and it was funny because I even cut a promo. I said, "This town is so stupid; they don't know what a cassette tape is." And I, I get some heat, and of course, the the, 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 the sound guy kind of you know gave me the thumbs up, like, "Okay, yeah, you got me on that one." But uh, but yeah, man, times have definitely changed when it comes to shows uh, and how oh, yeah. the shows are put together and and the guys in general. I mean, um, you know, yeah, and.
2: It's not to take away from the guys, and and I know you won't either. And Chris, no, you won't. no. There's some take different away from talented it, people out no. there. No. Yeah, like, I, I watch, and I've been to, I don't go to shows typically to watch. And I'm sure it's like you guys, I feel the same way. Watching it, it's a lot harder now than back before I knew anything about the business. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, now some of the stuff I've seen from the guys, phenomenal. And I'll peek through the curtain or, or whatever. I mean, I feel... I'll watch matches during the show, what I can. Um, now, if I don't know to a degree. Well, but well,
0: I mean, I mean, we're, you know, again, we're going back 20, 25 years ago, maybe even a little less than that. It was wrestling back then. It was cool. wrestling. Yeah. It was. It was pure. Today, it's sports entertainment. They have to have the microphone skills. They have to have the charisma in the ring and outside the ring. Where back then. A lot of the guys, you know, they got over with the talent in the ring, and they may not have the best microphone skills, but other guys carried the promotion. Now today, everyone has to have it, including the women's division. It, it, it just goes on and on. I mean, you know, so in 20, 25 years from now, it'll look a whole lot different, professional wrestling, than what it is even today. So sure. it's just going to keep evolving just oh, just like anything else.
1: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, it's, it's, it, but but you know, I, I still I still get get a good kick, you know, when when I go to some of these independent shows I work on now. And 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 you know, talk about change, uh, you know, how things have changed is like, you know, back in those days, Chris, you know where I'm going with this one. Uh you go you go to an independent show and it's packed out, you know, I'm not like looking out the curtain to see the show. I'm looking out the curtain to see What's out there? I can show them after the show, <laughs> yeah, right. you know. And but but now, but but now you go to the show, you see some chick out there, or you see some out there, you're like, hey, who's that? Oh, that's so and so's daughter, <laughs> you know. Like, uh-huh. you know? and I'm like, oh, close yeah, the curtain. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> okay, you know, and you know, okay. it's funny. It's funny how, like, like, like I remember a, a few months back, I was on the show, and this this guy. The, I got my daughter out there, and, you know, she's sitting mm-hmm. at ringside, and this guy's like, and, and I heard a guy, who's the blonde on the front row? And somebody goes, that's terrific Tony's daughter. He's like, ah, oh, shit. Oh, man. Because <laughs> you know? he knew then, hey, you leave her alone. I have to hurt hey, you, you know, but it's funny. But I'm
0: going to tell you this. If, if, and, 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 yeah, T- Tony, I don't even want to go there with that. But <laughs> I'm going to tell you, between Tony, Lee, you guys got me so fired up tonight. You talk about blowing up. I'm ready, man. We we might need to run Thomasville one more time or something here. The way we're we're going back on oh, history man. here, we've got a reunion freaking night. We, we have to start it. We have to start at six o'clock at night for the first oh, opening bell. Man, I, I, oh, I thought you, know, you, yeah. you, know, you know you know Chris. <laughs> They're running for four or five hours. Man. I mean, we'll bring all the old timers back and let man. I think it was hack out. Oh, oh I definitely,
1: definitely. And I, I was about to say that. Imagine, okay, if 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 right now you you took the three promoters that have ran Thomasville, and I'm talking mm-hmm. Chris Plano, Joe Storm, and Tony Binge. You take us three together, and 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 we booked one show in Thomasville. That that would be one amazing show.
0: It'd be packed out. We bring the old timers back. We bring some of the you got to bring some of the new kids back, and you know who knows you might pull a, you never know we could pull a fast one and pull and maybe a matter Jeff Hart. You don't know. I'm not quoting anyone here, but no, it'd be packed out in Thomasville, and they they'd be oh. lined up down the road. Oh yeah, for oh, sure. Oh yeah,
2: and, and and the show would carry. I mean, with it carries weight and gold. hmm
0: Yeah, without a or doubt.
2: hell, at least for us boys, would be like, oh, this is amazing. This is what you know. And, and I would be that jerk to say to the, to the younger kids, "Hey, kid, come come watch how it's really done. Watch this." Watch, oh, yeah. Hey, Tony, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I'm throwing it out there. I'm gonna hey,
1: let you. <laughs> hey, I'm <laughs> telling you, Chris. I'm telling you, it would be it would be great. Well, fans, we're 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 gonna take one one more quick break, and we come back. I have got the number one question. Uh, for for Lee Storm that I'm dying to hear. And I know you fans at home are definitely going to want to hear this. And, Chris, I know you are too. So, fans, uh, hang tight. We'll be right back right after this. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. All right, fans. We are back here on the Binge Buster Show, and uh, I am I am excited. I, th- this th- this show has been so amazing. We've we've like touched base on the old stuff, the new stuff, everything in between. Uh, from everything from uh, from ring rats to training at Ken's <laughs> Ring and and uh, everything else. But uh, but. Right now, during this time of our of our lives, we 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 have a lot going on outside in the world uh, with all the protests and the riots and and Chris, I know that that right now this hits hits pretty close home to you because uh, around you know the area where you work uh, here in yeah. downtown Charlotte, there's a lot of that going on. Um, so uh, you know, what like like what what are you guys thoughts on on what's
0: going on right now? Wow. Uh, Lee, you want to take it first? Or <laughs> I'm up. I'm
2: up. <laughs> well, so this is how I feel about it. I remember the riots of 93 um, back in L.A. I, of course, and, and this is what it brings all to me. It brings, like we were talking earlier, memories and stuff like this. A lot of this brings home to memories. Um, back when the Rodney King thing happened, um, I, it, I mean, I'm almost envisioning the same thing happening these days problem is that stuff was contained to an area. I mean, there was protesting. I mean, that's absolutely. If that's what you believe in, this is how strong you feel and you, you want to p- protest. By all means, I'm a small business owner now. I, I don't, burning a small business down is, I mean, it really hits home to me because I know what all is involved in it. Right. And I know how bad it would hurt me if something like that would happen. Uh, me and you know, I raised my son. My son lives with me full time as a single dad. I know what it would do to put food on his plate. And then, you know, that would be a different story. Um, With everything that's happened, man, I really feel bad for the guy's family. And I feel bad, for, of course, for that guy. That was horrible. But yeah, when it starts hitting home around, you know, our national levels of, are you seeing it in Greensboro and Charlotte and stuff like that, man, I, I hate to see all this. Like it's, it's bad. And I wish young people would, uh, you know, really open their eyes to a lot of stuff, you know, like, Hey, just do what you need to, what you feel is right, but be careful. You know, yeah, we, we do live sure. in the South. Be careful what you do. Right. I, for sure. I,
0: I mean, Tony, I, I'm, I'm coming in, you know, I'm someone who grew up in Connecticut up in the Northeast into the seventies and eighties and, the, and I moved here to North Carolina in the mid '90s, in in 1995. Um, you know, to say that we don't have a, you know, a social justice issue here, an injustice issue, you know, economic disparity. Um, I think all cards are on the table right now um, when it when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, you, you know, there is a Black Lives Matter movement going on.
1: Okay? Yes, for sure. I,
0: I, I, I can't turn a blind eye to it, but it's not about, you know, yes, black lives do matter, but you know what? All lives matter. It, it, it's all lives. It, it's all of us. You know, because at the end of the day, we're, in, we're we're all in this together, okay? Everyone has a voice. And, you know, we have some socio Economic disparity in in this country, um, and it needs to be addressed. And it needs to be it, it's been needing to be addressed for a long, long time. You know, and and so much more. It's older than us on this on the show. And you know, I look at Martin Luther King and his walk, and I kind of almost like, "Wow, are we better off today?" I don't know. I still question it. I think we take a step or two forward, then I think we take two or three steps back at the same time. And you know, here's where we are today, but at the end of the day, hey, listen, we all have a voice, but at the end of the day, all lives matter and and I can only hope that we can stand tall and and, and rise above this because at the end of the day, the United States is the is the best nation in this world and, and, and we have to show it at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with uh, with all that, and uh, and I'm I'm hoping, you know, Chris, uh, for the last couple of months, uh, you and I have just talked about, you know, this COVID nineteen's got to get out of here, so we can go to the Motley Crue concert, and so we can, you know, that's been our dream, man, and and of course. Uh, oh, of course that you know they had the big announcement uh, a couple of days ago that uh they uh, all tours have actually been uh, postponed to 2021 yeah. so we're going to wait one more year and hopefully get to see the crew uh and hopefully by then um you know the 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 protests and the riots will be gone and the COVID-19 to be gone and we'll be right back to rocking and rolling like we always have and and uh, and, yeah. and and, and, hey, and Lee yeah, and I get I to be doing some more, more shows Tony. mm-hmm
0: Listen, I know about and 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 Lee's going to come with us too on all the concerts next year. Every every band's going to be torn, But listen, some history. Just a few days ago, we launched a rocket into space. It's been ten yeah. years.
1: I was, I was yeah, about to touch on that. Yeah, lost in the mix. They
0: got yeah. lost in the mix. SpaceX. It, it, it just but we had some history just on Saturday, and there's a lot to celebrate. Even though there's a lot of things maybe not. So great
1: going on yeah yeah for sure now i, I want to end this podcast with with one last question to lee and chris i'm, I'm sure at some point you probably witnessed the, the this happening in thomasville um but 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 lee take us back tell the fans at home what it's like to be in inside of a steel cage with the terminators in thomasville when the families get involved, they try to rip the cage down. You guys have to fight your way back to the dressing room and a full fledged riot erupts in the Thomasville national guard armory. Uh, tell the fans, tell the fans what that's like.
2: So it's like being in Thomasville, (laughs) right? It's like a good night. (laughs) Um, so yeah, um, we start out the match walking to the ring. It was, Joe's one of those partners. Joe storms is one of those partners and we've been in Lauren We've been here, there, whatever I, promoters say certain things. Hey, this is what I want. This is what I don't want, blah, blah, blah. The one thing not to ever tell Joe storm is don't curse. Um, cause then I feel like it becomes a, a mission. He's going to squeeze in a word that shouldn't be used. Right. Um, <laughs> this is even in a church setting, but it's fine. Whatever. Anyway, so this night no different. We're walking to the ring. I remember them saying, "You know, hey, security set up to this, blah 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 blah." And um, Joe touched on this on on you guys' podcast about how Les's ring had the guardrail. When right. this match was born, when this match was born in an idea, that idea was around that guard ring or that guardrail being there. Well. So the ring size had to be for the cage, you know, it was an 18 by 18. So the guardrail couldn't be there. So there goes that whole security gimmick. The security guards they had there, some of them workers, whatnot, some good sized guys, some smaller guys, whatever. But you still, you know, in your back of your mind, you go, okay, this this will be okay. Don't worry. We're going to be in a cage. It's the Terminator family, but we're in a cage. It's fine. No worries. We're healed. They're baby. So we go to walk into the ring. Sure enough, somebody jumps in Joe's face. And it's like, Jesus Christ, the wrong one. Please don't, kid. Joe shoves this kid. You know, kid's, like, pushing up against him. Joe shoves him. From there, I kind of already knew, like, well, this shit's over. You know? <laughs> this, right. <laughs> this here comes the, the war. Basket. Yeah, here comes the war, you know. Well, luckily, we made it in the ring. Through the whole match, the match goes great. We're, we're beating each other up. Um, me and, me and Johnny B for some reason on the Terminators, um, anytime we see each other colors, just going to happen. It's, we've been told, trust me, there's been numerous arenas and it says no color. You just kind of go, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, sure. No problem. It's going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. So we're in a cage. We're, we're beating each other up, grating each other across the thing, match ins. Terminators are over. So you think, okay, cool. That's it. You know, no, no problem. They went over. We're not going to die. This is going to be great. We were completely wrong. Um, I remember trying to get out of the cage. I get out and people were already erupting. Um, shit being thrown at us. Fans fighting. I remember Reese was actually out there with us Reese. Tosses me back in the cage, and I'm like, What the heck? You know, I'm just trying to get to the back. Like, this is a normal gimmick. This is what we do. We we'll go to the back after the match. And seeing all the fans just, I mean, I mean, just pure hatred and meanness was unreal. You almost, as a heel, go, I did my job. But at the same time, you go, Oh shit, that lady just got punched in the face. Ah, oh, sorry about that. You know? Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's a crazy night. Um, the, the locker room empties, I, I hate that this happens. So don't, don't misunderstand me. I hate that this took place. For one, we may have gotten a little unprofessional. Um, when you're talking about somebody talking about stabbing you and shit being thrown at you, like canned drinks and stuff like that, when you're getting pelted by this stuff, you kind of lose your professionalism just a tad. Um, you want to egg them on, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> It was it, it went crazy, but by the time we got to the back, Tony and Chris—I I mean, it was almost like, God, man, we made a riot in Thomasville. Like Tony, <laughs> I can relate to this. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, I know uh, the dangerous. <laughs>
0: um, I don't know. I don't know how old you are. I, I oh God, we're going what uh, mid nineties there, right? Late nineties. Yeah. <sighs> Tony, I don't know if you even know. You may know. I don't know. When I took on Mary Beth Grant, the Foxy Lady. Uh huh. <laughs> you remember Lee? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, you got, you, yeah, got, you right, got, you know that he. You got Tim in the story, Chris. <laughs> I don't know this one.
0: Oh, uh, you don't know this one. I, well, Lee must know because he's laughing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I lost uh, uh, the the guys I was managing earlier in the night. Whatever, however it worked out, we lost. I had to take on the Foxy Lady one on one in the ring mm-hmm. at the end of the night, or maybe it was right before the main event. I can't remember exactly where it was. Either Ken had, I think Ken was uh, promoting that particular show, and then and if I lost. I had to put a diaper on.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: An oversized diaper. Right. In the middle of the ring. And, oh yeah. Yep, yep. I had her, I had her, I had her. Boom, 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 lost. I'm in this diaper in the middle of the ring. I got a t shirt on. So I said, Ken, listen, I can't make it diagonally all the way back to the locker room. There ain't no way this, this is happening. They get me out the side door towards, and leave. remember the concession stand there, right? The right, floor. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, they're making me out, all right, Mary, I, you know, I'm doing my thing, you know, whatever. whatever the place is going crazy. I'm make, I got this, I'm holding the diaper up at my hip. <laughs> Don't laugh, guys. <laughs> you know, and this guy hegged me with a soda. I mean, literally, right in my face.
1: Oh, my gosh. Right
0: before we got in the back, I had Terry Gibson. I had several others around me, security, trying to get me the back. I freaking grabbed the guy and said, oh, hell no. man! We're dr-. I mean, it was, it, and then they got me in the back in Thomasville. And you can relate to this. Oh, yeah. And, but here's the caveat of this. So Ken was like, Ken was up in arms because of what I did. I said, Ken, I said, forget it. What about, it? What about it? I said, bring the guy back here. I said, it was part of the show. All part of the show. Next thing I know, him and I were drinking Bud Lights out behind the Thomas alarm <laughs> <where everything's cold. laughs> We're taking pictures out back, and I'm talking pictures not on cell phones, I'm talking <laughs> totally you gotta go to the store to get the pictures developed. Yeah. Yeah. It all worked out well, and he like, man, I was a part of the show showtime hanging out with Plano back here, and I think Rick Link was there, and <laughs> it was a mess, and it all worked out. I said, Ken, okay, we're all good, but I mean, I grabbed that guy, and it was on, and it was just a mess back there. I mean, Bumby was back there. They were all back there. I was like, screw it. I mean, I mean, we're going back, I think, 96 here. So, Great, great time, and Lee, I can relate to what you were saying because they, they're passionate. At the end of the day, it's passion. They're passionate about wrestling, Yeah, and that's what it's all and that's, about, and, and, and that's, that's what you got them.
1: And if the governor will hurry up and re, and open up our state and let us get back to doing this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, m- all of us wrestlers that are sitting at home uh, can get back, and, and the great people, the great fans, the great wrestling fans – can come back and we can relive those days that how it was in the nineties. I'm just ready to do that.
2: Oh yeah, especially when you and Chris run that show in Thomasville. Oh, hey, we're gonna blow the it's gonna, gonna
1: the be way, it's bro. gonna be good. Chris <laughs> hey, and I are gonna tear it down, baby. Guys,
2: bro. I'm not
0: I'm not thinking too far ahead. Where we're going to June? Um, we're only four or five months from Thanksgiving time timeframe, hot time, <laughs> <laughs> rocket promotion. I'm telling you, <laughs>
2: maybe something's brewing. I don't know.
1: You never know, fans. Yeah, who
2: knows. You know, hey Tony. Before we get off, so uh-huh. funny story. You had mentioned about that promotion that we worked about a year ago. Yes, I legit still have fluid on my knee from that freaking oh. ring.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, that. Re- and here's
2: how you intertwine to that story, and leave it to good old Uncle Joe. Uh-huh. Um, he, he'll never let me live it down. So, me and Joe were getting back into it. Joe calls me and I should have known not to answer the phone from Joe, because anytime Joe calls,
3: <laughs> hey,
2: brother, what about this match? And I always end up stupidly saying yes. Well, that's how we got booked on that four-match gimmick down down there. Um, so he calls me, and he says, hey, you want to do this match, blah, blah, blah. We're going to do it, you know, the tag title kind of gimmick or whatever. Hey, yeah, sure, whatever. We'll do it. No problem. Well, you get down there, and I remember seeing you, and you're in the back, and Tony, you've always... Always, as long as I've known you, as long as I've seen you in the back, have a bag full of gimmicks, no matter what it is. Yep. Whether it be knee pads or something. <laughs> so this show, <laughs> I stupidly do not pack my knee pads. I don't know what happened. A, a stroke of stupidity came upon me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well, I remember walking into the arena, looking at the screen and going, mm, well, Joe, I can tell you what Lee's not going to do in that ring is bump. You can bump me on the concrete. It would probably be better.
1: Right. Yeah. That ring was horrible.
2: Oh, it was absolutely the only, okay. So in Chris, love you, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. The only bump I ever remember going, I want to be bump on the outside was in your ring. When you put that vinyl decal and there was the warthog stadium. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bumping on that thing you would take a piece of hide and just leave it on the ring because that damn thing got so hot, <laughs> it was unreal. Like, it was it was just unreal.
0: Wow, you're going way back. You're, you're <laughs> going flashback here. Um, big-time, big-time flashback, but wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With the Salem Warthogs, oh, my God. With
2: the Salem Warthogs, yes, sir. We
0: would do so, three matches there on, like, a Thursday night, and it would be rocking and rolling.
2: Oh, yeah, Thursday, Thursday, everybody's drunk. Oh, it was a good time.
0: And they're throwing uh, beers and, and, yeah. and Tony, it's it's uh, you'll never see, never. I don't know if you'll ever see those kind of events again. I, I just don't, I just don't see it. But I think we could always relive it and maybe even try it um, one more time. You never know.
2: Never. Sure, know. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. But yeah. So going back to the gimmick was um, I didn't have a knee pads so did deal with throwing across body from the top <laughs> as a finish. Knee pops the mat. Bam my knee is jacked I feel it instantly like oh that hurt bad so literally wow. to this day I still have fluid on my knee from it oh, oh my god oh, there's man. two other matches after um and, and I'm not real I try to be as professional as possible when it comes to this last match that mm-hmm. we were supposed to be I was told you I was like I'm done I'm not going back until he buys a real ring like I'm done
1: oh yeah yeah I did the same but thing. um
2: yeah I mean I like you said I hate to be that way and you know, yeah. I, I get it. They were putting us over as tag champs and stuff. But at the end of the day, man, I'm not making 150 thousand in the ring on the weekend. Right, right. Like, well, I, and as I said before, I have a 14 year old kid that, yeah, you know, my little man. I got to feed him, so right. if I can't walk. I can't feed him.
1: Yeah. Well, right. you yeah, know, I'll I'll tell you this story about that promoter, and then and then we'll we'll go home. But uh, same deal. This the, that promoter books me, uh, or actually my uh, my uh, my uh, buddy in the uh, Amish out the um. The Amish guys. Uh, yeah. Great gimmick, by the way. The, oh, yeah, man. Those guys are hot. Those guys are red hot. But um, and, sp- and speaking of that, fans, if you're listening out there, go on Facebook to Viva Les Amish and buy some of their merch. They got some cool stuff. And uh, also, uh, Danny Vegas is actually, if, if if you're out here listening to my podcast and you want to be a professional wrestler, go on Facebook, look up Danny Vegas, uh, he, he's running a wrestling school in Thomasville, North Carolina. Uh, and it's it's a, it's a nice building. I've actually been to it. I, I went to it a couple weeks ago, guys, and checked it out. And it's a really nice place uh, to to go and learn the craft of pro wrestling. So, cool. So go on Facebook and check him out, Danny Vegas, and uh, tell him that terrific Tony sent you. But um, uh, but but anyway, Danny Danny got me booked on the show, and he's like, yeah, the man, the the uh, promoter is gonna um, you know, he uh, uh, you you and him are gonna be a tag team against us. I'm like, okay, cool. Get to the show, and I'm like then he's like well you know what uh he changed it up a little bit i was like what do you mean changed it up a little bit he's like yeah well he's bringing in the, uh, the the storm brothers i'm like oh cool i said are we working them he's like no nah, no nah, they're 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 working they're working us and or whoever was you guys working he goes so you 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 were going to work the promoter i'm like okay cool well when the promoter walks over and i see his gear and i'm like Shh, i'm in trouble <laughs>
3: Oh yeah!
1: <laughs> right, and so we're in the back, and I'm like, "Hey, brother, uh, let's let's uh, lock up real quick." And he's like, "Okay." And that, oh, man. That, you know, that's me. If you can lock up, I know I'm in trouble. If you can't lock up, then I know we're screwed. So we get out there and. <laughs> I feel bad but we' get out there and uh I'll get in the ring and I told Chris I said guys I want you guys to walk me to the ring so I'm going to the ring with against the against the promoter and I got the whole viva viva Les Amish at ringside with me as my manager and I didn't give that promoter nothing <laughs> i didn't I didn't sell what? for him I didn't give him nothing and he was twice my size but I didn't give him anything I was like I am yeah, not honestly, selling for this.
2: You couldn't have, Tony. No. If, if you were to give, I hate to say it, and, and again, I get it Everybody's everybody from all walks of life in this business, if you were to give that guy any of that match, you no. would have had the shit. Oh, I yeah. mean, just hands down. You, Tony, you, you I've seen you put more guys over than ever needed to be over in their life.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, oh, man, absolutely. But, yeah, that guy, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And All then right. he's like – That's unreal. He's like, you coming back next time? I'm like, yeah, w- where's my money? <laughs> give me sure. p- Give me yeah. up. where's my <laughs> money? I- I where's went, my damn envelope? <laughs> and, and, and listen to this, guys. Uh, I'm going to be uh, – you know, I have got – you know, one thing about me uh, – and I ain't I ain't, ain't too horn even though this is my show. But you know, a lot a lot of people say I'm such a nice guy. Well, I'm at that show, Lee, and and you know that locker the locker room had like two doors going out to the to the arena. Yeah, I walk out the side door because I'm like I'm walking out because there's no phone service in there, so I'm calling I'm stepping out to call my wife to say hey I'm still at this show I'm waiting you know for my match get paid whatever, and I look over at the table they got like a table as you first walk into the armory guys. I look over. There is nobody at the at the gimmick table selling tickets. But oh, yeah. but guess what is on the table? The money bag. Yeah. The oh, gate. No.
2: Yeah, and and I wish I could say I'd never seen that at a show.
1: But I do too.
2: But, too many damn times.
1: Oh wait. But wait, that goes
2: back to watching Ken Spence like a man. I I really appreciate the time that Ken took with me and taught me what he did. Now, I mean, a lot of it I learned on the road, but
3: mm-hmm.
2: when it came to money, Ken sense did not play. No, Miss <laughs> <No. laughs> no. yeah. Emily would shoot your ass. Yep, <laughs> you never it.
1: saw that money bag. Period. Period. You never absolutely saw it.
2: Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Yeah, he would not. I
1: remember. I remember getting my payoff from from Ken. He would he would hold that money bag under the table, and he would sit there uh-huh. and pull the money out, roll it up, and hand it to you and you put in your pocket you didn't sit there and open it up and look at it in front of him to see how much you made you just put the money in your pocket and you and,
3: and, and, yep. and Thank you, you got, shook his hand got, yeah that's you went and it. got in the yeah, car
1: and, and on down the road but uh but like and that's another thing guess that makes me laugh some of these 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 young kids that are just getting out of wrestling school uh, a promoter will call them like hey you want come work for me yeah i need 125 bucks okay really? what, what have you done in this business
2: yeah. Where are you at? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Come on. Give me a break. Right. But yeah.
2: You know, one of my, one of my close friends, um, Ryan, Ryan actually has made it to the big time. It, he was, a, he was a part of the ascension um, for longest Ryan. We, me and Lumbee, Ryan and Jimmy Parker took a trip down to Florida. And I, I promise I won't drag this out. I know you guys are probably ready for bed. No, no, but, you're uh, good. We're
1: I'm good. No, you're
2: good. <laughs> um, so we, we're in this road trip to Florida. For one, you don't put four wrestlers in a car to road trip <laughs> to Florida. Shit's going to go bad. Right. <laughs> and it did. Um, so we get down, and we're doing customs down in Florida. But before we get there, Ryan, the biggest... Um, the biggest thing Ryan ever said to me was, hey, look, man, in, in the big times, you got to learn how to cut a promo on the instant. Like, Dusty would feed you shit like put in front of a camera and go, Hey, talk about a chocolate chip cookie. You know, you had to come up with a one minute promo about a chocolate chip cookie, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so doing stuff like that was, was amazing. And that's where I learned a lot of the trade and a lot of the business with road trips or God, and, and me and Lumbee, I mean, I couldn't, I can't tell you, Lumbee used to have this 97 Toyota truck. <laughs> The damn thing was a torture device if you put three wrestlers in it because somebody had to ride in the middle and let me shift in gears. Somebody was getting it every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, it's stuff like that that really made this business mean something. But the Florida trip just blew all that shit to hell because, like you said, you put four wrestlers in a car and realize that South Carolina sells beer at five a.m. in the morning. Shit may go different, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> But luckily, Lexi Fife is a wonderful woman and she took care of us and got us a room. So <laughs> that's, all, that's what I'll say about Florida. But it was fun. Unfortunately, today's times, man, I don't think a lot of guys will get that.
1: No. You know, uh, the, 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 no, the knowledge no, and the camaraderie is. No, just, nowadays, guys get on the uh, road trip and they got to take pictures and post it on Facebook. And, you know, here we yeah. are. Yeah.
0: You know. It's just, they're, they're just self promoters of themselves. Yeah.
2: Yeah, 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 pretty much. And in and, and this business, you kind of have to be a self promoter, but at the same right. time, you got to take care of you. Got to take care of the company that takes care of you. Back in Absolutely. the day, Chris, you know, there was nobody that would have trashed NDW's name. because no. you guys took care of your people. You know, I I, yeah. I know there was, and again, I'm like Joe. I don't know the whole inner workings of uh, of you and Ken and stuff, but I know when you guys were clashed together. You you wouldn't hurt anybody. Badmouth you guys. You guys. Oh hurt. no
0: no no! Listen listen. Ken Spence, great for the business. Ken taught me a lot. You know you, you know much more, and, and I learned so much for everyone else. It's all about just knowledge and gaining. And hey, but at the end of the day, and and I and I always say this. I always say I said it earlier tonight. It's always about the fans. Yeah. End of the day, it's it's always about the fans the promotion and where are we going with this, you know? And, uh, and, and Ken was a great guy. Ken was the first, one of the first guys I met when I, when I arrived down here. So I have a lot of respect for him and, 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 uh, and he taught me a lot. And there were other guys that taught me a lot too, you know, I'll keep them nameless to to respect Ken, but Hey, at the end of the day, he was doing a great thing, you know, and, uh, and he knew what he was doing, you know, right. as from a, from a business standpoint. And that's what it was all about. But we always, I think at the end of the day, when you turn the lights off and you lock the door, say, wow, we put a hell of a freaking show on here tonight. And if we didn't, we got to get better.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: That, I mean, that's the way I always thought. It might have been a little crazy, but... That's how you have to think. We, we got to get them back here because if not, they're going to go watch someone else, or they may not even come back anymore. That's what really what it was all about.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that Boogie always told me, he's like, Tony, you're only as good as your last match. Mm-hmm. So, so if your last match was good, then your next match has got to be better than your last match, and you always got to just right. you know keep keep going, you know.
2: Right Makes and, and then, like i said you know for for guys that may be listening to the to the podcast or whatnot or or even future fans that are thinking about wrestling, hey man it's good to put yourself over, but um you, you got to take care of all in ring business like it, it it just has to be it, it's got to be a be a beautiful dance you uh, you know
1: you, you have to be selfless selfless right you, uh, oh, you absolutely you, you know, can't get you're, in there you're trusting the yeah. guy with your life yeah you uh, you can't get in there and go oh i'm the best one in the ring i i'm better than the guy i'm with your job is to make the guy you're with look better than you and very very few of us can do it but but Lee and I definitely can do that, and I'm gonna say that because <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna put her. I'm gonna put us over tonight, Lee. But but hey, no, hey, but hey, no. Hey, seriously hey, though,
2: somebody's got to nowadays.
1: That's right. You know, seriously <laughs> though. Um, but yeah, that's 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 definitely a key in pro wrestling. You you, you got to be selfless and um, willing to make the guy you're working with look better than you.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, the the biggest thing I ever learned from Ken was if you if you beat a punk, who'd you beat? You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm telling you in training, man, the the hours, I remember the, the Wyandotte building where you were talking about Tony with no heat and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, and it's funny because, you know, you given, um, Danny Vegas, you, you were talking about him earlier. Uh, me and Joe actually had worked up there. I worked out there a couple, couple times or whatnot, but, um, man that building brings me a brings me back to the old times of Dot. There's no, you know, with the heat and stuff, man, that's where you earn it. Yeah. in this business, you got to earn it, kid. That's. I, that's, yeah. I was going to the VFW hall was I, man, that was a mortal mistake. That damn place had bathrooms, air conditioner, and heat.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's, you know, it, it's a it big took difference. A, took a
2: lot out of it. Oh big no, difference. yeah. I mean, absolutely was. I mean, if you if you think about like Vern God, you know, back in the day when Flair was coming up, I remember Flair talking about working out in the barn, you know, doing 5,000 squats or whatever, you know, thinking, fuck, I don't want this shit. I don't want this yeah, business. Yeah, for know? sure.
1: I mean, it would, uh, you know, puking but, but yeah, yeah. But,
2: you know, if you can, uh, you know, that's the business. That's, but, if you want to learn it the hard way that or run it, learn it the right way. That's yeah. the way to go.
1: But that's, that, that's, that was it. That, 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 that's what got him in shape. That's what got him in shape. Well, um, well Lee, thank you for joining us on our show this week, Chris, it was a good time next week. We're, we're going to be back with a, with another guest and, uh, and it's, it's going to be a great time.
0: Tony Lee. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure, a thrill for me. And, uh, Wow, I'm, I'm going to have flashbacks and dreams probably all night. And uh, uh, hey, hey, Lee, and on a lighter note, please tell Joe I said hello. You know, please tell the Storms I said hello. And uh, let, let's keep the conversation going. And, hey, you never know what can happen. Maybe something special
2: down the road for the fans. Hey, guys, I greatly I appreciate you guys having me on the show, man. It, it's been an honor, like Chris said, a blast from the past, getting to relive all that stuff, man. I loved it. Tony, as always. Always took care of me, brother. I appreciate
1: you. No problem, fans. Fans, we'll, we'll see you next week on The Binge Buster Show.
2: Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show.
3: Thank you for listening to The Binge Buster Show.
0: Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.